Hey guys, welcome to the Truth About Real Estate. I'm your host, Matthew Ma, and today we are talking with expert investor, coach, and owner of the Land Sharks, Brent Bowers. Welcome to the show, Brent. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Matthew. I love the intro music. I'm like back here dancing. I don't know if you could see me do what yeah. I was just doing, but uh, I was really getting into it. I, I was a little low energy when we first got on and that just like pumped me up. So <laughs> it does. I'm glad to have it. It like, makes you feel excited. We got a you know, like, lot to talk about today and we will always want to share as much as we can with our guests. And I'm excited to learn more about what you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just take it, take a note from me, like don't have a heavy lunch and get on with Matthew Ma. Like I usually like to eat like some, some vegetables, some green stuff for lunch, but today I was like, we had chicken wings and like French fries. So, so <laughs> nice. I'm coming back out of that. Like I got to get out of that little, you know, nice, so nice. the music so, helped. <laughs> that's good. Let's, let's start. So how, uh, let's tell us, how did you get into real estate anyways? You know what? Um, I was always fascinated with what, you know, taking, a piece of junk and turning it into something good. Um, so I started a lawn service when I was in like middle school. I loved like making things prettier, really. Nice. So I would go to this like uh, neighbor's yard and knock on his door if he had high weeds, kind of like we we do with like driving for dollars type thing or buying an apartment complex, you name it. And I would say, hey, uh, do you need your lawn mode? I already knew the answer to the question. And he would say, yes. And I'll say, well, how much would you pay me to do it? And I enjoyed doing that, and then I just wanted to take it on a bigger scale. So um, I always thought, you know, real estate was the best way to get very wealthy. Um, and so I was like, let's just jump into real estate. So I started taking courses, like when I was turned eighteen, when right. Capital One sent me that first credit card. Guess what? I spent the money on <laughs> was a real estate course. And then I was fascinated by the guys teaching it. And I was like, I want to be that guy one day. So, and it just kept going and going and going. I bought my first house in 2007, got my real estate license right before that. Um, and the rest is history. Here we are today. Nice. That's been quite a few years then. If you started back in 2007, you started, even when you're 18, like, I don't think most people think at 18, I want to go into real estate. I want to start taking courses and learning all about real estate. And it's actually good. Like nowadays in 2021, a lot more people love real estate. It's all over TV and people really want to learn about investing, which I love investing about in real estate. Nice. Yeah. So you became an agent first? And yeah, I did. I, I got my real estate license in 2007 because I thought I needed a real estate license <laughs> to be a successful real estate investor. And part of me just wanted like the insider trading knowledge. I wanted to see the deals coming across my desk. And really the first one that came across my desk, I bought. Um, right. And you can also thank Donald Trump for it. Like he wrote a bunch of cool books uh, <laughs> back then. I was reading about, you know, the art of the deal. And I was like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. So, he has a lot of information out there about real estate and how to like leverage, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was talking what, about leverage at 18 years old. My parents kind of looked at me weird. <laughs> so what, what city are you in and where are you buying land? So uh, my main operation is in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I currently live in Florida now. We buy land in Florida, Arizona, Utah, Connecticut, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, um, I didn't start there, though. I started in my own backyard of Colorado Springs. I, I recommend that for anybody getting started because you can actually go and meet a seller. You can meet the buyer. You can put out signs on the side of the road to find a buyer You know, in the heat of the moment. Uh, so I recommend starting in your own backyard. There's land everywhere. So even before real estate, like you mentioned, you know, you started doing it when you're 18 and you actually came from um, U.S. Army Services, right? You're an Army officer? Yeah, there's a story to that. I, yeah. I said I started in 2007, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we all know what happened in 2008. I was watching brokers go belly up, closing up offices, 
And I, I got in my head and I was like, man, if these guys have been in business 30 years and they're closing up shop, I'm out here beating the streets, wearing out shoes every couple of weeks. And I'm not, I'm not making any money. I was like driving renters around. And maybe if I got lucky, I would get one of those houses rented. Like, and these things stunk, man. This was in Delray Beach, Florida, West Palm Beach. Like they would have their air conditioner turned off. It's like muggy in the house, like all this humid. And I would go in with a, a can of, uh, of uh, what do you call it, Lysol and turn the air conditioner on, open the windows before the, the, my client would walk through. So it smelled good in there. And I'd be lucky to maybe make $300 a week. So my grandpa's like, look, you know, join the Air Force, jo join the military, go to college. You can retire off of that. So that got in my head. So I kind of took a little break from 2009 in real estate to about 2013. I joined the military, did a couple of deployments in Afghanistan, get back to the United States in 2013. And I still had that entrepreneur itch. I still own that one rental property that I bought in 2007. I bought another one in 2013. Another one in 14, another one in 15. Started getting in multifamily in 15. Um, and I racked up a lot of debt doing that. Like <laughs> rentals cost a lot of money, especially when you buy a fixer upper. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of time too. And then yeah, you were able to go to the army and then you know serve and then come back and utilize, you know, some of that funding to um, buy these properties. Yeah, the VA loan was amazing. You got to use the VA loan. How did that help you as a as an investor? Did that help in buying? Phenomenal. I'll tell you what, a lot of real estate agents like mm -hmm. see the VA loan as something scary. They don't want to yeah. accept VA offers. I still see it to this day. And I know you have a lot of agents uh, on this on this podcast, but I have bought houses that were bank owned foreclosures that the air conditioner didn't work. The roof leaked. Uh, literally the house I'm standing in right now in Florida, I bought with my VA loan. There's no cap in Florida anymore on the VA loan. The nice. VA is so lax on lending. Now, granted, they're a little bit more expensive. If you did a, a conventional loan, you come out a pocket with some money, like the origination fees or the points. We call them points in the uh, real estate investor world, origination fee in the banking industry. Um, I think it costs a little bit more for a VA loan than a conventional or maybe an FHA, but they're just so easy. Like you can literally get into a house with like no money out of your pocket and then you keep your cash to renovate and fix these houses. Um, so it's the VA loan has been phenomenal to me let's talk about that too because you know i am a real estate agent and an also investor and i see and i used to be a lender too but i see a lot of that issue too and i like you know i fight hard for a, v, a va loans too because my, for example i actually serve in a different way i served as a third party to department of defense security for many years into the army navy everyone so i have a lot of friends in all different um parts of it right and when i see va loans out there i see a lot of people don't they don't understand it. They don't accept it. They think zero down is a high liability and it's a VA loan. So I'm going to have way more risk. I'm like, that's not true <laughs> at all. You, you really got to take a look at, you know, and one thing too is like, it would be nice to help give back to someone who gave back to us, our country, right? So why aren't people accepting VA loans? What's so scary about it? What's the myth? And, you know, like you mentioned at first, it's easy. You can go to zero down. It's sponsored by the government and paid for. So what's the risk? You're, if your property is inhabitable, there's construction loans, there's um, oh, yeah. 203K loans, you don't, but VA loans, you can get it, right? 
Yeah, and and what it allowed me to do was move into a house that needed a new roof and a bunch of like everything like needed done on this house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allowed me to keep my cash in my pocket to start mm-hmm. renovations like immediately. And I'm not waiting for a bank. I'm not having to do construction draws or two two hundred one k. I forget what the loan was. I never used yeah. that. Yeah, two hundred three k. Yeah, it's. I make the decision. I hire the contractor when I want. I pay the contractor when I want to. Uh, it's same thing when we're flipping houses. I, I do a lot of house flips too. I love land. That is my my baby. Um, but we flip houses too. If I use a private money lender or a hard money lender to buy a house, I'll let them do the whole purchase cost, and I'll use my own cash to pay the contractors uh, to pay you know the foundation uh, repair all that. And some people don't agree with that. They say, well, you should leverage all of it. Well, I don't want to deal with the draw process. I don't want to have to pay the fees. I don't want to have to send pictures and and prove that I've done the work type thing. Um, it's just like just for ease of of uh, you know just being able to make the decisions really and not have to answer to anybody. Yeah, and I agree. And I think one thing, the one of the myths or issues that as agents run into is that this. Well, I don't know if your lender actually knows how to do a VA loan and they're qualified to do it because sometimes it's a little more complex. They say, um, but for even for the Bay Area, there's actually a lot of really great. Uh, VA lenders out there that we know, they do a phenomenal job. They actually came from the army and they became yeah. a lender and they go, you know what? I'm going to fight for all my guys. I'm going to help all these guys get VA loans. I'm going to tell all the agents how to get, how to, how we do it, how we close and how we help. And they are actually getting into deals, but others who like, I never heard of this lender. I don't even think this is their first time doing a VA loan. That's kind of scary to me because, oh yeah, you know, Definitely. they don't know what they're doing and they, they're asking questions about it. So as an agent and helping a seller, I totally understand that. But maybe you can say this. Hey, as a secondary backup, I would love for you to talk to my qualified VA lender that I know and see if everything's okay and that everyone's on the same page. If so, and the deal is the same deal, offer, price, it makes sense, consider taking it. Yeah, it's a small world. Get get referrals. Don't Like the, the VA lender I used was also in the military. Um, and he's a friend of mine. And I already know him. That's like his... Like his business is based on doing VA loans. So um, I, I like, I'm a firm believer in do what you do best, contract out the rest. So I'm gonna pick the guy that does the VA or, or the realtor that specializes in land. Like if I have a land listing, I'm gonna find the guy that's selling all the land in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania type thing where I just purchased some lots. Nice. So let's talk about land. Like, why do you like to buy land? What's so special about land to you? And like, what does that make sense more than single family houses, multi-units, fix and flips, commercial? Matthew, how long do you have? Because I mean, <laughs> like, I've got like a whole day. list. <laughs> I've got a whole list of reasons. I mean, as a guy that, that uh, I've done commercial, I've done land, I've done house flipping, wholesaling uh, as a real estate agent. I've, I stumbled in the land. I, I actually, it was an accident that I found land. It, it was truly an accident. I was searching for answers. Uh, so I told you about how I had all this debt from my rental properties. I'm up, I'm on like rental property number five, and one of them was a triplex. I maxed out my American Express and my Home Depot. I was leveraging, like leveraging big time. And it's to the point where it's like, how, how do I get all this paid down? Uh, like my tenants are paying market rent. Um, I learned that. I should not charge over market rent or just maybe just be a little bit below because doctors, attorneys, guys with the 790 credit score don't pay above market value. The people that pay above market value are the ones with the bad credit scores, the ones that trash your house. So I learned that I'd like the road to success is through the gutter. So I learned that. So it's not like I'm making a fortune on these houses. So I'm like, okay, 
I've heard that like wholesaling is the easiest, fastest way to start making money in real estate. So I started wholesaling houses, literally. And that was, that was working okay. I hired a mentor. His name was Tom Kroll with Wholesaling Inc. I now have the honor of being the Wholesaling Inc. land coach. Uh, but I just was missing something. I was still searching for answers with my wholesaling business. And I was competing in Colorado Springs. And if I didn't get that property under contract that day, someone else would swoop in and get that deal. Um, so I was listening to the podcast. And I heard about this guy buying land at crazy, crazy prices, like pennies on the dollar. And he was turning around and like tripling his money overnight. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I am currently mailing the tax delinquent list right now for houses. But I wasn't mailing the land. So I launched out a postcard. It was super simple. Black and white postcard, handwritten, said, hey, my name is Brent. I'd like to buy your land at 123 Main Street if it had an address. And most of them didn't. Out of 687 postcards, my phone probably rang 85 times, and I maybe returned about 20 of those calls because I was still an Army officer. I was busy, and I had a newborn baby at home, so I was probably already working like 12-hour days on base, so I didn't have time to return these calls. Out of the 20 calls I returned on my like lunch break and before like 8 a.m., these people thought I was crazy like calling them that early. I literally called people at 6 a.m., um, and some, some answer the phone. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> so out of those 20 calls, I did two deals in like the, a matter of like three weeks. Both of them netted me $4,500. The first one was $285. I bought the land for $285 <laughs> and sold it for five grand the next day. And then done another, did another deal like the week later for $500 purchase price. I got $500 down. So I got my money back out of the land. Like all my risk was out. Yeah. That house I bought in 2007, I still owe, owe $139,000 on it. I'm collecting $700 a month rent. Like that's risky if you ask me. Um, so the second deal, I got all my risk out right away. And the next month I got $400 cash. So I'm already profitable in the first month. That's one reason why I love land, financial freedom. Number two was time freedom. I didn't realize that that second deal, I created a note. I now had a note where someone had to go to work so they could pay Brent Bowers. And the third one and the fourth one, and I started just set, accepting payments because my buyer pool was bigger. More people can afford three, four, five hundred a month than five, ten, fifty thousand dollars. Um, so time freedom uh, was another reason why I love land. Number three, geography freedom. I'm an army officer. I'm in Kentucky. I'm in the field. I'm deployed to Afghanistan. You name it, I'm always gone. So I started getting these monthly payments. And it allowed me, I didn't have to be, I didn't check out the land. I would send people. I would look at Google Earth. Uh, so those are three of my five major regions. So I can keep going though, but this is your show. <laughs> yeah, that's really good um, information so far. And we'll dive in deep into that. But like, how would you buy land for, like who's selling land for $500, you know? And like, how do you even buy that? You Isn't what. the fees to, you know, or is to close, you know, cost more too, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like where, like people ask me all the time, like who in the world would sell you their land at like pennies on the dollar? Yeah. Well, there's something all over the country and it's called pawn shops and people bring their Rolexes in and get like 20 cents on the dollar for it. Probably less. I've never pawned anything. Um, they'll bring their, their grandfather's guns that they handed them down and pawn them for 20, 20 cents on the dollar. So really it's not about the land. It's not about the houses. I am just a convenient place for someone to trade you know speed and convenience for their equity yeah so i am solving a problem is all i'm doing they've inherited this land they've been paying on it for 20 years or their husband was a stockbroker and he bought this piece of land and 
uh, he died and it's like she's like i'm just like getting rid of this thing um the the guy the first land deal for 285 the guy was a retired cpa he was no dummy he just didn't want to deal with the land anymore yeah that makes sense too like there is land out there and there's always people who want to sell something regardless housing whatever they they want to sell because they want the convenience of it too the next thing is if you're buying this land for that cheap you know like what is it and like who's going to buy that yeah, I mean, who bought the first parcel? Uh, it was not buildable. It was two lots looking at the Pike National Forest in Palmer Lake, Colorado. It's on Lake Avenue. Anybody who wants to fact check this, I had no clue what it was worth. And I didn't know why it wasn't buildable. So I'm leaving this land, me and my wife and our newborn baby, because this is like 2000, late 2015. And I had no clue what it was worth. So I'm like, what in the world? Like, how do we figure this out? I didn't realize I could have went to Zillow or Redfin I call the real estate office at the bottom of the hill. It's as if God planted this real estate office for me to see because <laughs> I'm a slow learner, man. You got to like put things in my face. Um, so I call the real estate office on a Saturday and a nice realtor answers the phone. I was like, hey, what's the 30-day blowout price? Like, what can I sell this land for with you on the MLS? Um, I want the get it done now price. She goes, well, I don't know what that means, but maybe 10000 It's probably worth about 10000 She was very familiar with the area. She told me why it wasn't buildable because – there's one ingress and egress. So the firefighters don't have a way to get back out if they get penned in, basically. The city wasn't allowing them to put a road across the railroad tracks. It was going to take a lot of money to do it. Um, so she explained all this to me. Well, I hung up. I, I thanked her for her time because now I know I'm buying a piece of land for $285 worth ten grand. Mm -hmm. So I'm like excited to do this deal now. Nice. Um, I'm telling my wife, and my phone rings again from this realtor. And she's like, hey, Brent, what do, you, what do you think if I bought the land? And I was like, I would be ecstatic. What are you offering? She said $5,000. Well, Matthew, I'm the person, like, I'm the, I'm the best negotiator in the world. I was like, let's do it. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when can you send the contract? Uh, yeah. she, so she sent it by the time I had even made it home for $5,000. I was like, when can you close? Uh, she said Wednesday. I was like, four days from now? She said, yeah, let's do the deal. So I called this seller. And I was like, hey, I'll pay you on Tuesday. Because two hundred eighty-five dollars mm -hmm. in two thousand fifteen was a lot of money for me. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to leave it tied up into this this piece of land that was like worthless to me. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? Um, yeah. So she she sends the contract. I I pay the seller two eighty-five on Tuesday. The realtor, the buyer, I mean, she's educated. She knows the area. Like she's speculating. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all she was doing. Um, bought this land for me up for 5,000 the next day. And I, I made a little over 4,500 net. So nice, nice. And then when you first bought it from the seller, like, you know, to do the note and everything, you use the escrow company and you paid them to do everything. <sighs> nope. <laughs> I went online. I found the quit claim deed, quit nice. claiming. And I, if I knew what I knew now, I would never have taken a quit claim deed. I would have gotten a warranty deed just so this guy's like saying that there's no liens, encumbrances, back taxes, which I knew there was back taxes actually. Um, that's why I was getting it for 285 and the realtor took care of those. Um, okay, the nice. buyer paid all my closing costs or her closing costs, my closing costs. So I got a quick claim deed, typed it up, sent it to this guy. He went to his bank, found the notary, notarized it, brought me the quick claim deed. I gave him a check for 285 at a coffee shop right outside of Fort Carson, Colorado. Okay, nice. That's smart. And that's quick too. <laughs> and then like the light, in a sense, like without the, any loans, liens on it, the fact that it's land and you're selling land, less disclosures, less, less everything is just so easy. And then you're buying, you know what you're buying, right? You kind of know what you're getting into. 
and it's not buildable. So you're basically speculating what could happen if that, that realtor is going to do the work in the future to find a way to make something happen with that land. But yeah. for you, the quick transition in and out is nice because you're able to build a lot of capital quickly if you're tying different lands and matching buyers and sellers back together again. Absolutely. Absolutely. My money was back out in 24 hours and now I had 5,000. Um, and then the week later I did another deal where I only spent 500. So I got that money back. Um, so I took that five grand and bought another piece of land that was worth 15,000 and I sold it for 15,000, got a $5,000 down payment. So I got my money back out again and I just cre started creating notes. And if I'm getting all my money back, uh, or I'm using lenders or partners, equity partners. Let's just say I use a lender. Uh, Matthew, you're going to loan me the $5,000 at, at 6% or not. Let's just say you're going to loan it to me for 9%. Mm -hmm. So you're going to give me $5,000. i am going to buy this piece of land that's worth $5,000. i am sorry. I'm, I'm going to buy this piece of land $4,000 for $5,000 because you're okay. loaning me the money for $5,000. But it's worth $15,000. Okay. It's like okay. a 3X, like it's like Warren Buffett, you know, does a 3X rule. Like it, it's his margin of safety. So I'm buying it for fifteen thousand. It's worth fifteen thousand, but for only five grand. So I've got a margin of safety. Now I'm going to sell it to someone for fifteen thousand, and I'm going to charge them twelve percent interest on fifteen grand. Nice. And I'm paying you nine percent interest on five grand. How yes. often can I do that? That's really nice. You get that set up, and you can get twelve on it, and with a three percent difference, and you're carrying, and then the profit margin in between. Yeah, and you're making nine percent. You're an engineer. Yeah. You yeah. work for the for the you know the government or whatever. You're a doctor. You're an attorney, and like you're happy because your money's making nine percent. Yep, secured by land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really good for the investor. For them, it's good for you. It's good for the next person to buy it. Who's actually buying these properties then? Like, even at fifteen thousand, like what are they doing with it? They're buying it and taking twelve percent. For example, what are they gonna do? The real question is who is not buying this land from me? Yeah. No. So <laughs> I'll tell you, like my biggest land buyer, I love this stuff on the outskirts of town. Like this is the guy that wants to, you know, have a place to bring his RV every once in a while or bring his, bring his kids camping. Or one day maybe he's going to build a cabin or they're pushing out, you know, out a little further out of town so they can have one or two or five acres rather than live in the apartment complex. You know, I'll tell you one thing that COVID has done for land, it has really made it in high demand because we've learned with Zoom and all these like Skype, we can work from home. So we can work from anywhere in the world. So you can get out of the town and build build that house on, on, on the acreage or you name it, place to go and camp and ride your dirt bikes and four-wheelers. Um, same thing, I also buy infill buildable land, stuff that's already got sewer lines and water ran up to it. I'm not really financing that. That's really kind of quick cash flip stuff. Um, that's what gives me the cash to buy that stuff that's on the outskirts. Um, but I, I'd say, you know, really it's just a, most of the, my buyers are people that are just paycheck to paycheck people. Um, they work construction or they're college students, you name it. Um, I, I've just got such an array of buyers for a while there. I think my first 10 buyers were all truck drivers. It was so funny. Um, like, and this was land in the middle of nowhere. They would, their routes would go by this like every once a month and they would buy the land and park their truck on it and camp there overnight. Nice. That makes sense. And actually when you think about it, like real estate in general, like land is the one of the most important parts of it. Right. And even if you're buying land in the middle of nowhere, like if you have um, a population there that's actively, you know, going back and forth and utilizing that space and yeah, for recreational use or even like golf course or whatever, the fact that there is uh, a need for it and a want for it. And then 
kind of finding their sellers, like kind of like wholesaling, finding the right sellers, matching them back up with the right buyers, taking the opportunity in between, doing something that's less hassle. You don't really need, you know, exactly the agencies to do land deals, but by having this, you know, information there, knowing what you're getting and making a good margin in between, you can do it so much easier, so much faster. And it's, it's about building the, the network of buyer pool and the seller pool. And yeah. like you said, you can do it anywhere too. So true. So that's true. the fun part too, because now it's like a choice. Like, do you want to do land? Do you want to do fix and flips? You want to do Airbnbs? You want to do multi-units, commercial? What do you want to do, right? And I yeah. see the excitement too for land deals that people find it, they want to do it, uh, they learn about it, and then you know start looking into area. But in general, there's a lot of land out there still, and people are always yeah. trading it, right? Yeah, so true. What so types true. of land do you think are best? Um, in terms of like best for usage or best for resales? You know, it depends. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's about buying it at a, at a massive discount for me. Um, the fourth reason why I love land so much is it's there's virtually no competition. Um, and why do I say that is because most of the time we drive by a piece of land, there's no apartment complex on it. There's no mobile home uh uh, lots on it or RV park or a single family house we can buy, fix and flip or buy a uh, burr, buy, uh, renovate, re or re rehab, uh, rent it out and then refinance it. Land, there's nothing on it. So how do we make money with it? That's what most investors don't realize. So they don't even look twice at it. So that's why there's no competition. How I make money with it is I buy it for a discount, and sell it for a profit. So what types of land, it doesn't really matter as long as it's at a discount. You, it could be a $1.2 million parcel that we just purchased, or it can be that $285 first deal I did. You know, I didn't start at the 1.2 million. My, I didn't have, I didn't have the guts to do that. I was, there's no way I would have touched the $1.2 million piece of land in 2015. Um, so it's at the end of the day, just buying it at the right price. I love vacant raw residential land because it's super easy to come. Like I'm not looking at agriculture land. That's got a farm on it or, or a dairy or whatever, you name it, um, because that's how those people make their livelihood. But the vacant raw residential land, you can find what the stuff's worth on Zillow or Redfin or calling a realtor. Yeah, that makes sense too. And the, the fact that you have the ability to buy anywhere gives you a lot more opportunity. Like for example, as an investor, am I a local investor? I'm buying only in my Bay Area area and at a high price point or am I buying out of state? But then for multi-units, single family houses, I got to fly over there, check everything out, do my due diligence on the property itself. Yeah. Land, you kind of know, like you take a look at Google Photos and videos and have someone come by, take a look at it, you're kind of walking around. But in a building, you got to do way more work. Your tenancy is way more work. Multi-units way more. And the risk associated, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, and this works in the Bay Area too. What would you say your average lot goes for? Um, let's just say it could be the outskirts. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like what, what would a lot go for out there? Yeah, if you, if you can even find one here, it can be like, <laughs> for example, depending on, depending on location, it could be 600K starting to a million plus starting, depending on size, location, and what you're getting, right? 600K, there you go. Mm -hmm. So if I can find a piece of land, they, they usually go for 600K if there is. Like, you know, what you have to do in California, you just got to go east like uh like to the further towards the desert then there's plenty of land out there um and that's where the deals are at but let's just say for instance i spend a uh a month or two months mailing landowners in the bay area and i spend a fortune doing it. let's just say i spend ten thousand dollars doing it but i find a piece of land that's worth six hundred thousand and i can get this thing under contract for four hundred thousand well i find a bay area builder 
that wants a discount on a piece of land for say 500,000, it's worth 600. He's going to put his house on there and sell it for millions of dollars. Like that's how I will find a buyer for a piece of land in the Bay area. That's going to be a builder, a developer. So I'm going to, I'm going to get this piece of land under contract for, for 400,000. It's worth 600,000. There's quite a spread there. $200,000. I'm going to make a quick hundred thousand dollars assignment fee. So I'm going to sell the contract to the builder and the builder is going to have a hundred thousand dollar discount on this piece of land. So everyone's going to win and the seller is going to sell it quick speed convenience, like just like get away from it. And 99 out of a hundred landowners are not going to do that, but you got to find the one that's motivated, the one that you can solve a problem for. It's not about the land. It's about what can you, what problem can you solve for that landowner? And that's basically the same thing for any part of industries and real estate, like, problem solving and for example single family home the same thing you just said applies to single families applies to all types of real estate you're basically creating a solution for someone who who is in need whether it's a you know a dump fix and flip it's the same thing here's the problem here's the solution and here's the results and here's the, the network to make it happen right so true there you go it's all about problem solving at the end yeah. of the day what is real estate investing it's problem solving and you're finding the right people too and you're finding the ready willing and motivated and able right ready willing able and motivated people to do it so that's a good that's a good thing to have and like land like you just mentioned less competition choosing your niche finding less competition and being able to do it at scale and land can be a simpler format of it because just the amount of work involved is different and a little more simple simplistic and still there's quite a bit out there to do and the fact that you can do this anywhere is even better too <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the fifth reason why I love land so much. It's simple. It's easy. There's no roofs to repair. There's no foundations to fix. There's no plumbing to deal with. And you can scale it. I have a team. They're amazing. Like at the end of the day, all land deals are the same. You just got to, you know, you got to do your, your due diligence. You got to run the title. You got to, you know, check what's, what's going on with it. But if there's a lot less moving parts than a, than an apartment complex or a multifamily or, you know, uh, RV like, you know, maybe RV park there. That's, those are a little easier too, but, uh, um, you nice. know, that we, I like things simple at the end of the day, that's it. <laughs> and I think that's pretty cool. Cause you think about that play is that you're really kind of having a marketing agency in a sense. And I talk about real estate sales as a marketing agency and utilizing that market agency to create a big audience. And the audience is targeting towards sellers, land sellers and land buyers and creating a platform for them to utilize and, you becoming the dominant search for land and having access to these properties um, makes it more viable. And if you had postcards, you had online advertising, you, you, tar you targeted and retargeted these landowners, and then you targeted the buyers. It's more of a marketing agency that's funneling all the deal flow versus uh, like a real estate agent. They might just be working on one-offs. They're not thinking about at massive scale. How did you do this? Yeah. And location, it. you're non-location based, so even bigger scalability, your opportunity is higher because your percentage points are higher based on that and less competition. So you actually have multiple win scenarios if you do the work. Oh yeah, it takes work. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. Like I used to have to be on base at 6 a.m. and I would leave about 6 p.m. Well, that didn't give me a lot of time for work. So I would have to get up at 4 a.m. to build my land business. Um, so it took me a lot of work and it took me about nine or 10 months to be earning about almost $10,000 a month in land payments. So that gave me the opportunity now to get out of the military. I had to change something. I, I wanted to be home more often. Yeah. Out of my eight and a half years of service, I was maybe only home about four of those years. And that was starting to drain. That was starting to, like, I'm really, 
I'm really only 25, but I look 35. Like it, it, uh, <laughs> the army did a made me like it's almost like dog ears for every do- uh, one. It's like seven. That's kind of what the military does to you. They push you hard. They they whip you into shape and make you really you know diligent on knowing what to do. Yeah, right? yeah. You're trained. You're well. I think it's good though too because one thing is they train you so well and they they motivate you and they create that urgency and if you utilize that into your own businesses you do even better than people who are not structured don't have any backgrounds in any kind of form like you know really big format it makes it harder for them to really understand like how to be successful right you need to be a great leader yeah yep so that's amazing training that's the amazing thing about it too and you get I was talking to my other friends who are in Marines and, you know, Navy. And then like, yeah, this really push you. It shows you how to push you to your extreme, right? Get outside of your comfort zone. Oh yeah. It's definitely put me out of my comfort zone quite a bit. So that's uh, one thing I recommend. Like I love what uh, David Goggins says is like, get uncomfortable daily. And I don't get uncomfortable daily. Like we, you know, it's like I'm about to go on this podcast with, with Matthew Ma. I got to make sure the air conditioner's set down, like the fans going and I got my water. This is not uncomfortable. So yeah. And one way he says to do that is go out and work out type thing. Nice. Yeah. In terms of your podcasting thing too, yeah, you can do like Alexa and just say, Hey Alexa, uh, you know, time or like studio time, whatever. And it turns off everything for you. Oh man, you're talking to the land guy. That's way complicated for me. Like I'd have to have <laughs> someone come in here and set that up. So I don't even know what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Make it all automated. So that way you know, like, hey, you know, showtime, boom, everything <laughs> lights up, turns off, and gets ready for you. That's something hey, to think about in the future. Life goals for me right there. That's pretty cool. So I love automation and delegation. So if, nice. if, if I want it done well, Brent is not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You gotta have a team for that. And like speaking of team. Like, how did you even get started building a team? Like, why do you even need a team if yeah. the land deals are there, you know, and you're doing this? What are they doing for you? So most, most entrepreneurs are visionaries. Like, we like to start things. We like to see things. We like to get it going, and then it gets boring to us. Um, so I was forced to start with the team right away. I talked to you about how I was always gone, always away, always training. Um, so it was about 2016, and I'm in the field now for 30 days. For two of those weeks, I wasn't allowed to have my phone. So guess what happened to my my land and house business? Just ended. Well, I had just sent a bunch of of mail out. And it was like I almost spent, I think, like $5,000 on mail that month. And that was a lot of money because I didn't have the money. I was actually spending American Express's money. And they want to be paid back in 30 days. Um, So I wasted that money. Um, So I, I had to reach out and find somebody to help me answer the phone go on these appointments and make, you know, establish rapport, like get a connection with these people, figure out why they're selling their house, um, why they haven't repaired the roof in 30 years or why they're selling this land. So I had to, I was forced to hire somebody. I had to, or I was going to do another $5,000 negative month and go out of business. Um, So I recommend doing what you do best and, and hiring out the rest as soon as possible. So some people love talking to sellers. Some people love scrubbing lists. i I don't like either one of those things. So I hire people fast to do that um, because I'm not good at it. That's the reason why I don't like it. Um, I like talking to people, but uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, people ask me all the time, who should I hire first? Should I hire an assistant? Should I hire someone to answer the phone? Should I hire someone to scrub my list? Well, I say hire what you don't like doing first. And they're like, well, I got to get good at it. I got to understand it before I can hire it. I mean, if you believe that, then it's true. Very much so. 
You're right. So finding, you know, finding the right person and hiring them is always really important and learning how to delegate. And I tell agents all the time, like, even when you're first starting, you're, I know you're trying to save money, but yeah, you're right. You do need to hire out for your weaknesses and focus on your strengths. That way you can actually build it, but you have to believe in yourself that you can build the business and actively go and know, hold yourself accountable. Now you have someone on board that you have to help, you know, finance, right? And together you can scale even faster, but you got to put in the work. Oh, so true. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much amazing talent out there. You know, there's people overseas. Like my first hire, the girl literally was going for her PhD. She's in India. I'm paying her $5 an hour. She's scrubbing all my lists. And then she built my website. And then uh, like Carrot, on, when it used to be called oncarrot.com, they teach you how to do all this SEO. Mm-hmm. I put her through Carrot University and she did everything they told us to do. And now we're at the top of Zill, or I'm sorry, at the top of Google. Nice. So it's little things like that. Um, and this girl's like highly intelligent. Um, she's working on her PhD and she's working for working with me. I almost said for me, uh, working with me on my team for $5 an hour. Um, so we, you just gotta, you know, find the right people to help you and you'll know if they're not a good fit. Like people, uh, they get burnt one time and they don't hire anybody else. That's, that's the wrong way to look at it. They're an investment on your team, team members. I like what you just said there because this is so true. And I always tell uh, our agents that, hey, you know, the, you know, you're investing into your business. The people you're hiring is not an expenses investment. And you got to learn how to quickly become a leader and how to invest in them. And like an 80-20 role, you know, it's not going to be perfect. But you also know you have to be a good, good leader. You have to learn how to delegate. You have to learn how to guide them and communicate. Communication is probably one of the hardest parts for leaders, how to communicate well and have someone else understand. But you can totally tell when someone's not a good fit, they don't listen, they don't understand, they don't know what you're saying, or they don't even follow your instructions. Then you know they're not a good fit, but quickly learn how to hire and fire quickly. And uh, in terms of like, you know, pricing too, I talk to them about like, there's someone in the world who will will be a really good price that fits your budget, but you have to be open to go finding them. Not everything has to be local. You think about big companies. They're going global right now, especially with COVID going on. They're global, right? And they they learn to open up. But even agency, you don't always need everything right next to you. Why do they have to sit next to you? Why do they have to be there in person? You don't. There's another smart person in the world, right? Yes, they are. And there's different price points in the world. There is, right? And you got to find it. That's it. Man, so well said. And that investment, like you said, they're not, if they're an expense to you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not the right person. They're not in the right seat on that bus. They might be a better fit for the accounting department or your bookkeeper or your, your person that answers the phone. Maybe you hired them maybe for the wrong position. Maybe that's why they're turning into an expense, but they should be an investment. If you invest $10 an hour for them, they should be making you 12 or 13. Like they should be paying for themselves plus profitable. Exactly. And that's what people don't get sometimes. Like you really think about it. That's the way to scale it. You can't you can go alone really fast. Everyone says you go alone really fast, but if you want to go far, you gotta have a great team to go bring you there. And really you can find them all over the world. Yeah. And sometimes you're gonna have down days and you're not gonna want to get out of bed. But if you've got a team that you gotta show up for, uh be on the call, like they're gonna bring you up sometimes too. And and at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's why I, I, I we learned that in the military. Um, I wasn't scared going down some of these routes in Afghanistan or being deployed because I had someone with me that was going through it with me. Same thing with the same thing in the real estate business. You exactly. have someone going through it with you. And even in the military too, they're setting your mindset even before you start. Right, they're like you're doing an amazing job training. They're setting your mindset. They're setting your strengths. They're they're making you physically fit and emotionally fit to handle handle any situation. Right. Why doesn't you know? Why don't people in real estate investing do the same thing in a different format? Like get your mind physically fit. Get because your, we're 
greedy capitalists. We want it all for ourselves. We want it nice and easy, right? We, want, we, we don't want what instant gratification. We want it now. I want the money now. I want to. I don't want to do any of the work, right? Yeah, that's right. But that's in, right. in land investing, you guys have to do a lot of farming, like a lot of farming, male farming, digital farming, everything. But like that's tough, right? It takes a lot of effort. Yeah, I mean, I say give it at least three months, ninety days, for your first letter to go out. Now, granted, I've got some students that'll make a quick twenty thousand, ten thousand dollar check in the first like two weeks. That's just, I say, getting lucky. Kind of like that mm -hmm. first two hundred eighty-five dollar deal I did for five grand. That was me getting lucky. But you get really lucky if you go out and take a lot of action. Exactly. Like you have to work really hard to get really lucky. And those people who come successful overnight, they've been building it behind the scenes for 10 years. That's why they're successful overnight. You only see the best parts of it. You don't see the grind behind it. Oh, that's so good. Man, you just made me think of 2007. All those seminars I went to, all those courses, that real estate license that I took three times to pass that freaking test. Um, I didn't think about all that. Yeah, and you, you see too, like, and that's through our through our experience. We can see that now. It's easy for us to say it now because we've been doing it for so long. Um, but yeah, as a new agents and new new investors out there, they're you know they want the instant gratification. Like, hey, you're doing really well. Brent makes it look really easy. How does he do that? I can do that in a day. But like in reality, you're not going to do it in a day. You're going to take a long time and figuring it out. But having successful coaches who show you the ropes and show you how to break through all the barriers up front and just helping you change your mindset it goes way faster, right? Oh, so true. I, I, um, I'd already made over a hundred grand in land and I hired a land coach and man, did he make me even more money? So thankful for him. And a lot of people say, why do I even need a coach? If I'm already making a hundred grand, why do I need it? I'm doing it all right. You know? Why not? Yeah. yeah. It's like, why do I pay a barber $40 to cut my hair? I mean, yeah. because he's going to do like, he's going to do it better than me. And then that, what I reason why I wanted the land coach was because I was thinking if I can do, if I can make a hundred thousand dollars net profit in like a short period of time, what could I do with the guidance of someone that's been doing this longer than me? He's where I want to be. So if he could show me in three months what it took him three years to do or whatever, I'm compressing time frames. I'm doing like Tony Robbins says, standing on the shoulders of giants. That's why we listen to these podcasts. Like you're going to get like Matthew, like you have so many amazing guests on here. Like you're going to get a gold nugget from every one of those people and you put them all together and it becomes a puzzle, puzzle pieces put together. And five years from now, goodness gracious, what, the, what, what is going to become? Uh, exactly. And I, I, I love doing podcasts because one thing you think about too is this, you're getting into the minds of people who are sharing their experiences and their values. They're telling you the truth upfront and they're doing it live. So you can see the difference between superficial and really invaluable information. And what better way to not to learn and listen to it is through podcasting, through reading their books. They're giving you the guidance, but it's up to you to take the action. And we know most people will not take any action at all. They'll just hear it, you know, just fluff it over, get on there with their life and become a robot and just keep living, right? Yeah, that's so true. It's, you know, knowledge is power, but pulling the trigger is, is very, is even more powerful. So, and that's what I did with that podcast. I heard the guy talking about buying land. He was buying it through tax auctions. I've never personally bought land through tax auctions. But what I did was I mailed the landowner before they lost it in that tax auction. I'm helping now a seller before they lose it type thing. That makes sense. And yeah, there's many different ways to buy it. And, you know, with you guys buying it and then helping the seller, yeah, before that happens, you're getting a, a sense of, you know, the pricing, you're getting a sense of like where they're at and what needs to be done. And even 
beating other people who are at the tax auction because you probably have more a little more competition there because it's in, in a different way it's easier for them because they already know what's there they know the pricing they bid on it and they they know the valuations but before that you're getting upfront to talk to the sellers and figure out if it makes sense so that's even oh yeah the seller's going to tell you everything it's so funny like uh um <laughs> You know, it's not like buying a car. They're gonna, they're gonna. That's ah, a great car. I, I've, I've, I've got the oil change every three thousand miles. Here's all the receipts. No, uh, here's what's going on. The well doesn't work. This, that, and the other. Um, like, I mean, with land, there's not much to. There's nothing to break, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no sinkholes. There's no. There's oil right underneath, and uh, we have to find out if you get lucky, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I don't buy any, I, I've never bought any land with oil that I know of, but uh, yeah, I just buy it at a discount. That's it. And this is so simple. Like you, you, you're it's, you could use this on bicycles on the side of the road. I walk by this bicycle in a trash pile. Um, I see that it's got two flat tires. I go and buy two tubes at Walmart. Now this bicycle is worth 30 bucks to somebody. And the tubes cost me maybe 10. Exactly. So it's, it's the same format. Even like, you know, um, like Gary Vaynerchuk says, like baseball cards, comic cards, anything, anything you think of is, has a value to someone. You just got to figure out how to leverage that value, right? Someone. That's yeah. so right. That is absolutely right. That's the funny part about it. And just choosing what you want to, what you're interested in. I think one thing about it is like real estate. What are you interested in? And by choosing what you're, you like and have a passion for it, then you can become highly successful. But if you tell me, hey, go do commercial buildings and office building, like that's not what I'm passionate about. I'll, I'll suck at it, even if I know how to yeah. do it, right? Because what you're finding is like what's fun to you. And land for you is a lot of fun. So you get excited about it. That way you're always able to wake up and do more deals because you're excited to talk to the next person because you know what's going to happen afterwards you're going to find a great deal you're going to find a willing motivated seller and you're going to find the right buyer for it and then put it together right yeah That's you know what excites me looking at my email and seeing land note payment received <laughs> <That's> <laughs> multiple times level. a day <laughs> so that's the next one up too because when you start doing uh, these investments on those opportunities and creating notes so like for you like creating a note and having a three percent hedge on the on the note is fun because you see every day you're getting payments and as you start building up from one to 10 to a hundred to a thousand, you're getting paid every day and you're sleeping and waking up to money. Yeah, that's so true. And now we're playing with 30 year mortgages on some of this land and people are like, what 30 year mortgage? Like you're going to be like 65 when they pay off. Mm -hmm. But here's what I know about 30 year mortgages. The banks, they do these things mm -hmm. and uh, they're usually the biggest buildings in every city and every state. Uh, and what the banks knew back when they created the, or FDR created, helped create this thing, uh, Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt, um, 30 year mortgage, the banks knew that people move every five to seven years. And whether that's changed or not, doesn't matter. But the first five years is pretty much all interest only on the payment. So if you get a $200,000 mortgage at 6% interest, if you never refinance over 30 years, you're going to pay back over $420,000. Is it really 6% interest? It's called compounding interest. And, and it's like the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it, earn it. Those who don't pay it. So if I do a $200,000 parcel of land, finance it for 30 years, I'm collecting over $420,000. Nice. And that's a lot of money. The compounding interest is a not, uh, really nice. It's not simplified interest. It's compounding interest. And to understand the benefit for uh, as an investor, what, what it means is substantial right and yeah you're right people don't people don't usually refinance all the time people you know get tired lazy busy and then they sell it and then you're getting paid back and i know that no one's gonna hold it for 30 years i'm trying to do like 
I'm trying to do one of these a month. That's my goal. Um, 12 a year. So one day though, five years from now, that person's going to be ready to build a house. Mm -hmm. Well, five years, they've only paid down that loan probably like, you know, four grand. And they paid me $1,200 a month now for the last 60 months. Do the math. I've collected over 60000 and they've only paid it down 5000 That's a lot of money. That's what thing, thing about real estate too, investing. Like there's so many different ways to make money. But I think for if you really think about it, time and value, right? And creating financial freedom. And notes is one of the best ways as a way because you can get all this compounding interest paid back to you. You still have hopefully first right of your refusal for the land. And then, you know, they're going to sell it within probably five plus years or start building on it. So then you're, you're getting paid back. But then if you times it by hundred, hundred properties or hundred notes, and that's really scalable and really manageable. And what easier way is it to manage notes versus managing properties, right? Physical yeah. assets. One of the deals we did, we just sold on note. Uh, it actually had um, a mobile home on it and a barn apartment. And we were actually making more on the cash flow for the rentals, but there was some serious maintenance needing done. Like one of the roofs was leaking, a septic system was. So a lot was coming at me like, oh man, I don't want to be a property manager. So I put it on the market and we sold it like with all those problems. And now I collect the payment every month and I don't have to fix anything. I don't get any phone calls. <laughs> That's actually nicer too. Like, you know, dealing with a lot of like multi-units, dealing with, property managers, tenants, contractors, delays, you know, and issues, you know, rent controls and moratoriums, that's tough. But like in land, you don't have all that and you don't have to worry about all that, right? So why, why, if you're adding more complexity to a deal, you're just spending more time turning the wheels rather than focusing on the, you know, your core value, like creating, for example, creating generational wealth for your family. Yeah. Well, my, my thing was uh, time freedom. Well, obviously I had to set the financial freedom first, but then it was time freedom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sucks when I see a, someone sell this parcel of land that they've been paying for five years and they sold it for twice what I sold it to them for. Um, but that's OK. They got that benefit. Um, but what if it went down? Like, you know, that that could happen too, type thing. So there's also some some cons. We sometimes have to take the land back. Um, either yeah, uh, we, we cancel it, cancel the con contract, the cancellation of contract for deed um, or, you know, it's a foreclosure, which I haven't had to do any of that yet. Most of the time when we transfer the deed via the title company and I have a promissory note in the deed of trust, they usually put a minimum of five grand down. So usually those buyers, they're, they're, they're gold and they've got a piece of land worth a lot more than what they paid for it now. So those guys are not going to default. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not. And that makes sense. I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. And yeah, that's a, definitely a great way. I'm so glad to share this experience with everyone, but you know, even though in our, our last few minutes, I actually want to ask a couple more questions. Like, for example, let's say you are a new investor and you want to start looking into land investing. What tips can you offer them? And like, how do they get, how do people get started in land investing? Yeah. If you're brand new, you know, I say pick, pick an area. I talked a little bit about this with about a two and a half hour radius of where you currently live. So if you're in the Bay area, go two hours to the East, <laughs> um, you know, towards the East coast. Uh, second is Start looking at what this land is going for by the half acre, by the acre, by the 5,000 square foot lot. You know, look and see what the most volume is happening. Let's just say the half acre parcels are selling the most. That's going to be the easiest thing to see what it's worth. You know, look at Zillow, look at Redfin, look at what they're being sold for in the last three to six months. Call realtors that I kind of, and I mean land realtors, got the guys that are actually buying and selling the land or 
listing and getting the land buyers. Um, and then next, find a list of landowners and communicate with them, whether it be through a postcard like I just talked about. And I could share a link to the postcard that I used on, on that first deal, and I'm still using the same exact postcard. I love that. It's thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. Thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. That's the exact postcard that I still use today, and I bought, I don't know, over 200 parcels of land with it. Uh, so communicate with this list of landowners and then figure out you know, what you can do to serve them to solve their problems and buy the land at a discount and sell it for a profit. That's it. That's what I recommend to the newbie land investor. Okay. And I guess a newbie a question would be, how do I finance this? If I'm just starting in real estate, I'm young, I'm 18 or I'm, I'm 40, for example, you know, how would I finance these things? Yeah, you don't have to get it under contract and find someone with cash. That's it. Like when I, when I started out, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have tons of cash. A bank said, Hey, we've got 44 acres next to Shriver air force base in Colorado. I said, I'll offer you 20 grand. I followed up with them six months. The land was worth over a hundred. They gave it to me for 25 grand, a contract for 25,000 for a piece of land that's worth 100. I was like, oh my God, I don't have 25 grand. They're going to sue me. I'm going to go to jail if I don't buy it. I got a 30 day contract. I went out on a Sunday and started putting signs out. Like I tried not to work on Sunday. Um, so I'm putting signs out on the side of the road. A Texas couple says, hey, we just started noticing these signs popping up. We've been looking for land for two weeks. Where are you at? So we met on the side of the road, shook hands. They closed in a week. And I sold this this piece of land that I got under contract for 25,000, I sold it to them for 38K. So I made a quick $14,000 assignment fee overnight, basically. So I didn't have to finance anything. But Matthew, I got to run in one minute. I've got a hard stop. Okay. Shoot with more questions. <laughs> oh, it's good. I really want to just say thanks so much for providing a lot of value. We'll definitely be talking more about land investing and other events. But how do people reach out to you to learn more about you, your investing, and your coaching? Thanks so much for asking. I just launched a YouTube channel like a few months ago. It's if you go to YouTube and 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 YouTube Brent Bauer or search Brent Bowers, you'll find my channel. Please, guys, subscribe and like that thing. I'm trying to build it up. We, me, and you were talking about this at the beginning, Matthew. And if you're interested in getting started, you want to schedule a call with my team. We'll see what your goals are. If we feel like we're a great fit, I'd be honored to coach you. Uh, you can go to thelandsharks.com. That's thelandsharks.com. And uh, I'm actually me and a me and a partner, one of my uh, land buying partners, we're putting a, 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 a partnership together where people that want to come in and invest with us, um, there is a fee to do it. Um, so if you're interested in that, reach out to me as well. Um, we're just, we're just starting this to go and buy some like big deals. Cool. I'm excited to learn more about that and talk to you more about that for everyone out there. Be sure to check out our show, the truth about real estate podcast on YouTube and Apple and everywhere else. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Have a great day.